IMDb Journey podcast, where not only do we break down one movie a fortnight from the IMDb Top 250, but we also do a variety of other things, such as Podry Pods, lots of trivia, Academy Drafts, and today we are doing our Top 20 Movies of 2018. As always, I'm here with my co-host Hendo. Hendo, how are you going? I don't know why I'm speaking like this. I feel like I'm <laughs> speaking differently. <laughs> you sound like I'm um, a TV show, game show host. Hello and welcome. <laughs> uh, to answer your question, I'm doing very well. Very well. Uh, how can we not be? We're going to talk about some fantastic films today. It is the best of the best. Yes. We did recently do a patron episode where we talked about every other film we've watched for the year. All the shit ones. We got all of them That's out of the right. way so that you freeloaders can enjoy <laughs> the best of the best of the best. So, little Men in Black reference there. Yes, it has been a couple of days since we recorded that episode. So, we have banged out a couple of extra movies. So, I actually ended up on 164 films for the year. What did you get to? I got up to 123. That's good. That's but, good from where you were. Yeah. yeah, I've watched a fair few since we recorded that first first part of the top of 2018 list. Yes. And I am very happy to say there is a movie that I saw in the last couple of days that has actually cracked the top 20. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll definitely get to that along the way here. As well as our top 20 films of 2018 today, we're going to be looking at the answers that you, the listeners, gave to our question of the week, which is, what is your favourite film of 2018? So there's obviously going to be a lot of different answers there, a lot of different opinions on films. It's going to be great to look at that one. Yeah, well, we all have different tastes, and I like seeing these lists because there's movies there I haven't seen. It sort of gives me a little nudge to maybe check them out, which I always enjoy. We'll also take a look at the results of the final eight in our best 1950s film tournament. And I know I did say last time that I needed some sort of a miracle to catch up to Dean's points. And spoiler alert, that didn't happen. Oh, my God. I was actually <laughs> worried that I was like, oh, wow. No, did, no, did you I, actually get the miracle? <laughs> no, I, I. there's no chance I can win on this one. Yes. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break here and give you a couple of promos from some other awesome podcasts out there. And we'll come back on the other side with the start of our top 20 films of 2018. Hello, we're from Netflix and Swill Podcast. Let me review Netflix shows for you, please. It would mean so much to me if you let me review Netflix for you. Somebody's gotta review them. Why can't it be me? Come on, let the boy review Netflix shows for you. Hi, hello. Are you good? Uh, Good. Let me drink crappy alcohol and make jokes for you. I'm already gonna be reviewing Netflix for you. Just say yes to me for drinking crappy alcohol. Honestly and sincerely, I'd like to make jokes for you to laugh at. He's a good, hard-working boy. Let him drink some beer and make jokes. Please don't make me watch the one-star movies. He's a nice boy! Watch your own damn shitty movies! For God's sake! Download Netflix and Swill, please. I'll put all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean. Please download our episodes. I already started watching the one-star movies. If you didn't want to listen to our show, why'd you let me watch the one-star movies? Can we stop this cruel game and allow the boy to keep one shred of dignity? For God's sake! I can't stand to see him in all this pain! So just listen to Netflix and Swill! For the love of God, let the boy review Netflix for you! Your guide to cinema etiquette from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews Podcast. Tip 43. When attending the cinema with your good friends or significant other, don't assume anyone else has any interest in what you have to say. So, always remember... Whisper, fuckface! It's not rocket science! For more useful cinema etiquette, join Paul and Wayne on the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast at Podomatic on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. 
Okay, Dean, let's do it. Our top 20 films of 2018. Now, because we had a film that has come into this list recently, the film that dropped out for me and is now at 21 is Three Identical Strangers. Really? Yeah. What was yours? Mine was Annihilation. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So, I toyed with a couple that were floating around the very bottom of my top 20 and it just it felt best taking Annihilation out. Fair enough. All right. Well, why don't we get into it, Dean? What is your number 20 film of 2018? All right. My number 20 film was Paddington 2. Okay. Yeah, obviously I went into this film knowing how massively high the reviews fall were it. So I did have very high expectations going in. Thankfully, they were all met. Like, it wasn't hurt at all by the expectations I had going in. Hugh Grant is really good in this movie. Definitely a step up from the really annoying Nicole Kidman from the first one. And how can you not love the actual character of Paddington? Such a sweet and innocent character really does bring... Well, it brings a family together. And watching it with my family, it was a really good experience. Kids loved it. I loved it. I had a great time with it. Fantastic. All right, Hendo. What's your number 20? Kick us off. My number 20 is Shoplifters. Ah, nice. Yeah, watch this recently. Because you haven't spoken about this on the podcast yet. No, I haven't. And, man, I, I really, really dug this film. It's it's a fascinating story. A lot of well-developed characters that you actually really care for. They are doing you know, bad stuff. They are doing bad bad things in this film. Really bad things. Yeah, but... Like they are this, messing people up in this, this film. But this is this is their lot. This is what they. This is all they can. This is all they know. This is all they can do. This yeah. is how they live. It does ask sort of interesting questions on like, does that make it okay? Like they don't have a lot of choices. They do do things that they feel like is a good thing. Like, and to us, like there are some things where I agree with them. Like, yeah, what you're doing is actually the right thing to do here. But in in some like in some societies, it is deemed bad. Yeah, it's definitely a fine line between good intentions and outright illegal activity. Exactly, but th- that's where this movie does well. Is it that fine line? It, it it tackles that fine line, and you could take it either way. They don't they don't think on the negative side there. They they're thinking this is the this is the right thing to do, and that's what you need. You need characters that aren't black and white. They have the grey area, and that's what I really love about this film. There's a lot of these characters in this film, and they all get their screen time. I remember you said on the Patreon episode that you didn't like the. The cinematography, you thought it felt, it looked a little bit... Uh, dirty. Dirty, yeah. Yep. I thought it played perfect into that. This is a dirty, oh. this is a dirty environment. I didn't say in. it didn't fit the movie. It just, I was comparing it to a movie like Burning and this is not a great film to look at. Like it is dirty, but it fits the movie. Exactly. And that's why it didn't bother me. It wasn't, I wasn't going, oh, this is not good to look at. Um, it didn't drop down for me. Yeah, I, it's like, not a negative for you. No, exactly. And overall, I really, really dug this film. I'm really glad I got to watch it before we did this list. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, mate, onto your 19. What do you got? My number 19 is the Best Picture nominee, Black Panther. I'm exercising my blood right. The challenge for the mantles of King and Black Panther. Do not do this, T'Challa. As the son of Prince Injobo, he is within his rights. He has no rights here. The challenge will take weeks to prepare. Weeks? I don't need weeks. The whole country ain't got to be there. I just need him and somebody to get me out of these chains. T'Challa, what do you know of this? I accept your challenge. Okay. Which you've already mentioned and was a bit lower on your list. Mm -hmm. This is a film that I really, really enjoyed. 
I think a lot of the credit has to go to, obviously, the director, Ryan Coogler, and also Michael B. Jordan, who is one of the best Marvel villains we've seen in a very, very long time. You talk about complex characters, and you don't really expect that going into a Marvel film, but this villain had the usual traits of great villains where you understand what they're going for, you can understand how they see what they're trying to do, is a good thing. They don't see themselves as a villain, which I really, really liked. The fight scenes were fantastic. The whole black culture around it all, it worked really well. I understand why this has been such an important movie for a lot of people. I do think, despite it being my number 19, it is overrated by a lot of people. It does not deserve to, say, outdo Infinity War in the domestic box office. Do you think it deserves the best picture nom? No, I do not. Okay. Do you? No. Yeah, it's only because of the obvious social commentary that it's gotten so much recognition. But at the end of the day, I did really, really enjoy this film, and it's a strong addition to the MCU. Yeah, I wouldn't go past you to have a couple of Marvel superhero films in your list. Well, I can't help myself. Okay, well, my number 19 is Barry Jenkins' If Beale Street Could Talk. That child is coming. It's your grandchild. I don't understand you. It's your grandchild. What difference does it make how he gets here? The child ain't got nothing to do with that. Ain't none of us got nothing to do with that. That child. That child. That child. Speaking of social commentary, I've already talked about this a little while ago, but I thought this was a very, very great film to look at. You talk about cinematography here, one of the best of the year. I was engulfed in what I was watching. I really enjoyed the story that this film was going for. The acting is on point in this film, in particular Regina King. I think she was fantastic in this film. The scene where the, I guess, the basic plot of the film is revealed and every character reacts in their own way, that is a massive standout in this film, probably the best scene of the film. And I also think that the score in this film is fantastic. I believe it's up for a nomination, if I'm correct. It is, yeah. Yeah. And while I don't think it's as good as Moonlight, I still think this is a very, very, very good film. Makes my number 19. Yeah, okay. Nice. Okay, mate. What's your 18? All right, my 18 is a movie I saw a long, long time ago. Love, Simon. How long have you known? I was around... 13? Four years. Four years at eating dinner together, four years of going to movies together. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have missed it. Hey, no, Ted. All the stupid jokes. I know you didn't mean them. I just want you to know that I love you. I wouldn't change anything about you. Stop crying. I'm trying. Nice. Yeah, I thought so too. This is a nice film. It's very, very easy to watch. The characters are, like, they're believable. Like, I can sympathise with the character of Simon and what he's going through. But for me, what actually took this movie to the next level was, and I'm finding as I get older and obviously as my kids get older, a lot of the films that are affecting me on an emotional level are films where parents play a big role. And the scenes, particularly with the dad and Simon, they really, really stood out to me as some of the best scenes of the year, which is why it's my number 18. I can definitely see your point there in regards to movies that focus a lot more on the the parents and their role in it, which is why I think if I watch Juno again now, 
I really think I could relate a lot more to the, the, the J.K. Parents. Simmons. Yeah, exactly. Whereas when I watched it when I was mid-teens, I guess I just, you're watching it as the character of like Juno and Michael, Michael Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. God, no. Well, you are. Yeah, you are. I know. You get these different perspectives on it. So I think you're right. I think looking back at a movie like Juno, I think there is a lot of room for seeing it in different eyes. Like. Yes, we're the same people, but we change every day. We change our views, our beliefs, what we care about more than other things. And watching it, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later really will have a difference. And oh, what's your number 18? My number 18 film is a movie that I have not talked about yet. Lee Chang Dong's Burning. Nice. I agree. It is better than Shoplifters. This is this is a quality, quality film. It I, is a quality film. I think all three leads in this film are spot on. They interact with each other so well, and it's what really what really got me. Like cinematography again is really good in this film. Oh, absolute standout! Yeah, this absolutely. is such a gorgeous film. I cannot agree more. With and that. they like they don't they don't shy away from it either. They take their time when they realize they have an amazing shot. They will play with it, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic. I think the three main leads here, their characters are all so well fleshed out here in their own different ways. And the one thing I thought about after this is the ambiguity of this entire film where you Lee Chang Dong, he doesn't treat his audience like idiots. He knows that there's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of smart people out there watching this film and can have their own interpretation of this film. And then there's people like you. Oh, how dare you <laughs> I love it when you have no comeback. <laughs> Hang on. Where where did this end up? This is this is uh not in your top twenty, is it? Yeah, this one just missed out on my top twenty. I think where this film ends up in the third act is amazing. You just think about it yourself. Like there's, there's Lee Chang Dong does not hold your hand in this film, especially in that in that last third. He just lets you go with your own interpretation of what is going on here. There's no black and white in this film, especially that ending. That ending knocked me off my feet. I couldn't believe that's how he ended it. It it just makes you have multiple multiple conversations about this film. I was thinking about this film for days later. Just wondering what had actually happened. It was fantastic. See, it's funny you say all that because looking back at it now and thinking about when I finished the film, I didn't find it was ambiguous at all, to be honest. So you basically just thought of your own theory straight away and that was the end of it. So you're one of those dickheads that Lee Chang Dong was not uh, wow. doing this film for. And that's why it's so, that's why it's lower on your list because you don't have any more to think about this film. It's like, oh, that's the end. Yeah, that's what it is. You pretentious prick. You just had a go at me for, for the same thing. Look how high and bloody mighty you want to be right now. I love this film. No, it's it's a very good film. It's I just find it odd that you think it's uh, ambiguous. I f- I feel like the majority of the film is ambiguous, but I I took a a clear direction at the end of the film. Good on you. It was good on me. Let's go to your number seventeen, shall we? Let's. My number seventeen is mid nineties. Okay. So here's a film that apparently a lot of people didn't really get into. Me included. Yeah, you included. I I put up a very positive review when I when I saw it. And I didn't think it was uh, controversial by any means, but I got a lot of comments arguing with me. And as you say, yourself included, I felt like this movie did capture the 90s. It captured this skateboard culture. It captured this, this rebellious youth culture of the 90s that was very much a Big, big thing back then. Yeah, you certainly got some uh, scathing remarks from our uh, patron Julio from the Contrarians. It was you? Julio, yes. <laughs> Damn you, Julio. <laughs> and I don't like a lot of people say that it it sort of uh, paid too much homage to the '90s and put too much of the '90s in it. Like it's in the '90s. You can never have too much '90s. It's called mid '90s. It's going to have '90s in it, 
and I liked it. I really liked it. Good on I you. watched it and I I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we used to do that. That was all good stuff. The relationship this kid forms, though, is really the crux of the film between, you know, he's basically, he's, he's a loner. He's got no one. And finally, he finds a place where he can be accepted for, I'm not sure if who he is is the right way to say it, but at least who he wants to be. Like, he is, he is seeing who he wants to be. Now, that might not be who his brother wants him to be, who his mother wants him to be, or who some of these other people in this in this new group of his want him to be. But what matters is it's who he wants to be and his his journey to, I guess, achieve his goal, to see out his dreams and mm-hmm. be this this new him. Like it's about this guy who wants to be a a better version of himself in his eyes, and I really, I, I guess, I related to it. Not in the way that you know I'm going out doing all these naughty, naughty things, because God forbid, but I just thought I really I really got the message of the film. And kudos to Jonah Hill. Fantastic directorial debut. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Well said, well said. All right. Your number 17, is it? That is right. My number 17 is Blind Spotting. Nice. Yeah, this film shocked me how good it was. I, I didn't know anything going into it. All I heard was your quick review about a couple of weeks before. Yep. And I was blown away by the performances of these two guys in the lead in the lead roles. I mean, their back and forth between each other was so great. So many scenes that had me nearly biting my nails in suspense. And other scenes that like they lightened the mood as well and actually became quite funny without becoming over the top. I bought into the characters as well, like all of them and their plights and their perils, like their relationships and the issues they had to overcome throughout this film. It is a genuinely great film that I really, really enjoyed. Nice. All right. My number 16 is another movie that focuses on, I guess, black culture. The Hate You Give. The officer did see a weapon. He saw a hairbrush. That looked like a weapon. What's this in my hand right now? You're going to tell me that this looks like a weapon? In his hand, yes. What about my hand? Huh? Huh? Does it look like a weapon? Does it look like a weapon now? No, no. Get on the ground! No! Get <laughs> on the ground before I shoot you! Don't move! Don't move before I shoot you with it! What the hell did I just say? No. Don't move! Haley! Look at me and stop crying! That's what it's like! Okay, cool. Now, I know this film just missed your top 20. That's right, just. But I really, really liked it. And I would have really, really liked it even more if not for one, or maybe two, very negative things for me. <laughs> okay. And I'm just going to get them out of the way first. All right. Anthony Mackie <laughs> is not a villain. And whoever thought he could be... Uh, you clearly haven't seen 8 Mile. I have, and I don't remember him, which is... Just shows how much of a forgettable villain he was. He is the main guy who does the rap with with Rabbit. Is, is that Eminem? Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah, it man. has. <laughs> All right. Anthony Mackie for me is Falcon. Okay, so he's terrible in this. He's really, really bad. He's meant to be this big, threatening character and presence, but he has none of that at all. It's kind of embarrassing, the scenes he's in. Also, and I won't spoil, obviously, but the ending maybe was a bit safe. Okay, now the good stuff. Seeing the duality of this this main character star's life where she sort of has to play this, I guess, poor African-American in a rough neighbourhood in a family life versus her being a very prim and proper, you know, upper class, white majority school, I felt was really, really interesting. And it's not something I really feel like I've seen before. So seeing her struggle to hide her two worlds from each other 
it's not easy and I felt like they really captured the complexity of her life in a really, really good way. There is a standout, unforgettable scene which really sends this movie down in one direction and I really I got a lot out of it. So, yeah, my number 16. Nice. Okay, my number 16 is the first of a couple of documentaries I have got on here, Minding the Gap. Now, I know you're not as big of a fan of this documentary as I was. No, I'm not. I thought it was a really, really great documentary. Like it's a, it's a very small and personal piece made by one of the three guys in this documentary, as he basically puts together this well-constructed and engaging film. Watching how all three of these these kids had roughly the same childhood, like bonding together through their love of skateboarding. Which some of those skateboarding scenes and, and shots that they got along the way, they're incredible. I can't, I can't fathom how he managed to get that done. And watching them all grow up so differently and see the paths that they all take from where they were as children to where they are now was was really, really great. It's it's very, very touching as well. Like some of the interviews that they get along the way here and how they look back at some pretty disturbing things that happened through their lives and how certain actions that one of them would take would affect another. It really was fascinating and it was a genuinely emotional watch and I would definitely recommend everyone check this documentary out. Yeah, you're certainly not alone in your praise of this film. A lot of people like this film. And I can definitely see why. Yeah. All right, mate, what's your number 15? My number 15 is also a documentary, and it also won't be the last documentary on my list. It is Won't You Be My Neighbour. So this is the first year of Mr. Rogers' Neighbourhood. Daniel Striped Tiger is there with Lady Everlyn, asking her to blow a balloon up and then let the air out. You wonder why this is in there. We can't hear. Can you hear on any of these? There's something I want to ask you. What does assassination mean? What happened, you know? Nobody said he'd been shot. Let's roll some videotape on this out here, friends. Have you heard that word a lot today? Yes. And I didn't know what it meant. Okay. 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 <laughs> Judging by the fact that you have not mentioned it yet, I'm guessing it's somewhere higher on your list. We'll wait and see. So, won't you be my neighbour if this isn't the most feel-good movie and almost most inspiring movie you could see this year, then I'd be very, very surprised. Because this is a movie that you talk about thinking about it days after. I thought about this movie a lot after. My drives to and from work, even when I'm at work, you just you think about this man and how... How effortlessly good this man is and the way he's able to bring people together with a very simple message of basically just be nice to everyone. Like, it's not hard. Just be nice. Exactly. And the fact that this is so relevant in today's world is, it's ridiculous. Like, it it sort of shows that all these decades ago, from where we are then to where we are now, it's gotten worse. And this, this this man, Fred Rogers... We need him now, okay? More than ever. We need him now to be on our TVs telling not just us, but our, our, our kids, our next generation, hey, be nice to people, okay? Because this is what the world's about. Have you seen Daniel Tiger's Neighbourhood, the cartoon? No. It, that is based off Mr. Rogers' Neighbourhood. It is ex- like the theme song is that, could you be mine? Would you be mine? Would you be my neighbour? Uh, it's a kids TV show that I've actually watched a lot with the kids. It's on Netflix and everything. Really? And it's it's exactly that. Just be be kind. That's all he's trying to do. Be kind and be good to everyone. Yeah, I can't be bothered watching that. <laughs> you uh, just, 
electric scooter. We need to see this. But there's this option. That no, doesn't sound no, like my cup of tea. I'll be damned if I subject my kids to this sort of garbage. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though, it was a very touching... I mean, this is an American who is very well known from what I can tell in America. I'd never heard of this guy when I started this film. But, man, I wish I had, honestly. Bravo. And it's not just that, I mean, I'm going on about the man and not so much the documentary. The documentary does a fantastic job of telling this man's life story in a way that is engaging, honest, real, as I said, inspiring. Really, really good documentary. What do you think about the upcoming, like, movie of his life with Tom Hanks playing Fred Rogers? Irrelevant. Yeah? I mean, I'm sure it'll be good. It's Tom Hanks. I mean, he fits this Fred Rogers thing very, very well, but just watch the real man. Yeah. You know, you don't. The problem is, not enough people watch documentaries or foreign films for that matter. Yeah, they're, they're always got to wait for their remakes. Well, some of them work. Departed. Very few. The Departed works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to your number 15, Hendo. My number 15 is a film you mentioned earlier that you knocked out of your list. It's Annihilation. Nice. And, I mean, what can I say about this? I love Alex Garland and his films. Ex Machina, whoa, yeah. bang on that film. Shit's all over this film. I definitely had high ups for this when I watched it, and they definitely delivered. Like, what? This still melts my mind, what what they achieved with this film. It's very bold. It is very bold. It is so stunning to look at. Yeah, the colours, the, the way they do this effect of, man, I don't even remember what it's called. Shimmer. Shimmer, thank you. Yes. The way they do this shimmer in the film is, it's just original. Like, you watch this Alan, Alex Garland film and- you know you're going to get something different, which, man, I'm a big, big supporter of that. This weird, like, sci-fi horror feeling with the the score as well that gets that eerie tension when you're going along here, very well paced as well. Like, it's a long movie, but it never felt like that to me. Like, it, it went perfect throughout this film. Great concepts throughout this movie as well about blending, merging cells, like DNA, all that sort of stuff. Like, it was fascinating to watch. Like, I, I didn't get confused at all through it. I, I really understood the process of what was going on here. Well, well done to you, Thank sir. Thank you. That's why it's so high. Maybe that's why I dropped out of your list a little bit. Nah, there, I'll tell you why it dropped out of my list, because I was looking at these films in the lower end of my top 20, and this was the one I was just like, I do not want to watch this one again. Like, out of all of okay. these, no, this is the enough. one I would least likely go back, put on, and have another sit through. Fair enough. That's a good reason to take it out of your list. I thought so. And not only that, but there's a lot of ways these characters, where they go through this, like these mutation, these self-destruction, not just in the on their body, but in their mind as well. And it really ups that tension with the paranoia of these characters. And as the audience, we start to feel that as we go along as well. Speaking of tension, how good's that bear scene? Am I right? It's oh, it's so good. Isn't it? It, that 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 creature is horrifying. Mm. And, and they play it so well in that scene. It's fantastic. No, it's very well developed scene. And even with all this going on, there's obviously some ambiguity that's left for us. And that's what I really like about some of these films is that, you know, you don't get all the questions answered for you. And this is what we like to do. We go and see these films and we can have this discussion. We can talk about what we think this movie is about. And that is what makes some of these movies so fantastic is letting the audience decide what they think the movie is about. And that is a big tick for this film. So what's this film about? And we're not talking about that now. We've already spoken about that. You have no idea. <laughs> I did think there were some good performances in this film as well. Oscar Isaac and Jennifer Jason Lee were the big standouts for me. Natalie Portman was okay. Not not the big standout for me, though, in this film. Tessa Thompson. Yeah, she was fine as a sub-character. And yeah, overall, this, this film is just so ripe with like innovative ideas and views. Doesn't treat its audience like idiots and is very much open to interpretation. And that is why it's my number 15 film. Well said, Hendo. All right, mate, on to your number 14. 14, and I think 
It'll be this or another one coming up. This is my number 14 film. You have this at like 90 or something ridiculous because you're an embarrassment to uh, film podcasters everywhere. It is, you were never really here. Yes, okay. So with this one, I know that this- You know was, how wrong you are I already. do. I honestly do. Like, And I said this on the, on the Patreon episode that I feel like if I watch this again, this will just shoot up so high on my list. Hmm. Problem is I just never got back around to watching it. Yep. Well, so, some of us don't need multiple viewings to understand a film. All right, what I really like about this film is a few things. The direction from Lynn Ramsey is really, really brave. Like there is so much going on here. It's about- this guy basically trying to protect or find this young girl who's been kidnapped, right? And the, there is some gruesome, gruesome stuff going on here. But the way it's filmed, most of this stuff happens off screen. And it's it's sort of shot with like almost security camera style footage. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said almost because a lot of it is literally absolutely is. security style footage. <laughs> and you sort of get this roaming camera and it's cut in between different shots and you just you just glued to the screen like trying to see something happening because they just hide it from you and it makes it so much more engaging. It's a really tight film. It's only like an hour and a half, 89 minutes. Yeah. And Joaquin Phoenix gives one of the best performances of the year. Like this guy, he's always weird and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. In this film, he hits it out of the park. Like he just nails this PTSD sufferer to a T. And I, I loved it. There's so much in this film that... Like you talk about rewatch, oh, I talk about rewatchability. I just want to watch this film again. Yeah, like it's really, really strong and yeah, top, top film. Cool, good to hear. All right, we're on to your number fourteen. My number fourteen is Black Klansman. How do you propose to make this investigation? Well, I've established contact and created some familiarity with the Klansman over the phone. I'll continue in that role, but I'll need another officer. Surprise, surprise, a white officer to play me when they meet face-to-face. That's my point exactly. Chief, black Ron Stallworth over the phone, white Ron Stallworth face-to-face, so there becomes a combined Ron Stallworth. Can you do that? I believe we can with the right white man. We can do anything. And this is the second Spike Lee film I've seen, and I thought it was great. I think it had a very strong message that needed to be told at quite an important time in our lives at the moment. It was funny when it needed to be. It was serious when it needed to be. I mean, John David Washington is so good in this film. Adam Driver is really good too. But what really elevated it for me was the finale that I didn't see coming, which really brought it home for what we're experiencing now. This film has made me want to go out and check some of Spike Lee's other work. Like, I haven't seen Malcolm X. I haven't seen Do the Right Thing. I thought you were going to say, like, it made me want to go out and help, you know, like the black movement, basically. Like, let's try and get rid of racism. But no, it's made you want to go out and watch some more movies. That's very big of you, Hendo. Very big. Movies is all I know. That's all I know, mate. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I know that. I spend so much time talking about movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm well aware. This is how I help. And I think I mentioned it on our Academy Awards episode. I would love to see this win Best Picture. I think it'd be my my pick personally. Well, I know this isn't your favourite Best Picture nominee, so why would you want this to win over one that you... Like, admit to liking more. Because I think in terms of the title of Best Picture, I think this one would go very well. It would go hand in hand with it. There's a difference between favourite or most uh, most popular movie, as they as the Oscars tried to do halfway through the year, and Best Picture. Okay. And that's why it's my number 14. Very nice. All right, let's go back to you, mate. What is your number 13? My number 13 is yet another Oscar, Best Picture Oscar nominee. It's Vice. Vice. Now, this is a film I didn't expect to like as much as I did. Now, I love Christian Bale in this. He is, 
Like it's and it's not just a makeup. It's not just he's, he's a bit fatter. He's got grey hair. He's balding and he's got some wrinkles on his face. He just disappears in this role. Like he is, and I don't know. The problem for me maybe is that I don't know who Dick Cheney is. I've never seen the real. Doesn't sound like a problem. I've never seen the real Dick Cheney. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I don't know how true to life this portrayal is. Okay, do you know what I mean? But as a character in this film, as a character that he's playing, I just thought he hit it out of the park. Like he just. I felt like I was not watching Christian Bale. And for someone who is as well known as Christian Bale, that is so impressive. Like, it's so hard for actors these days, the really well-known ones, to get over that hurdle of, you know you're watching an actor yeah, acting. Yeah. And I, I did not have that issue here. And that, obviously, is the true mark of a great actor. Amy Adams, she was okay. Like, she's always pretty good. I didn't mm-hmm. think she did anything overly fantastic. But I love being in Australia. I love the... The rot that is American politics over time. Like yeah. I really, really am, <laughs> and make no mistake, the Australian government is as much of a joke as the oh. American one. But seeing seeing these these characters like Sam Rockwell as George Bush, like that was hilarious. <laughs> and the way this film is edited and rightly nominated for best editing Oscar, Adam McKay is just fantastic with his films. Like it's just he makes this film that could have been really dry, could have been really dull makes it highly like quirky, entertaining. And I get that at the end of the day, it's telling a story about a pretty despicable man, a man who cares only for his own self and power. But the negativity of side of what he's actually doing and the lives he is basically sending to the slaughter, mm-hmm. I enjoyed this film. Like it really entertained me and hopefully educated me if events happened as were depicted in the film. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, it just it just missed my top 20. But yep. yeah, I agree. It's a really, really good film. Okay, my number 13 is 8th grade. You know what would go great with this? Hmm. Some chinesse sauce. You like Rick and yes. Morty too? Yes, yes. Yes, nice. Yes! Yes, Morty. Chinesse wine sauce, Morty. We gotta, we, gotta get the, we gotta get it, Morty. Come on, Morty, come on. Oh, no, geez, Jerry, Rick, shut up. Morty, yes. Rick, I don't know. <laughs> yes, that's yes, so cool. Morty. Keep, keep doing the voice, Morty. Yes, of course. <laughs> that show's amazing. Yeah. Hmm. You are awesome. <laughs> Thanks. No problem. Okay. And for me, this very much tapped into the realistic ways of a young teen and the struggles she goes through in a transition from you know middle school to high school. Like the script, I don't know if everything that Elsie Fisher like said in this film was part of the script. But if this is her in a genuine acting performance like and not going off the script 100% of the time, it makes it even better. Showing how a young teen would talk and how a nervous teen would act and the facial mannerisms and the physical traits, it's all outstanding in this film. Bo Burnham has some great direction as well. And being a father of two daughters, it really hit me hard in the feels throughout this film, knowing that I'm going to have to see this type of behavior and emotion soon enough. And I can very much relate to the father of this film. And I think he was fantastic as well. The scene between those two at the fire pit and nearly put me in tears. I thought it was just so well acted and so deep. It really was an amazing scene. It definitely plays into the dread and fear that teens and the anxiety and anxiousness of how you are perceived by your peers and how you're supposed to act around them. Or even how you're supposed to act cool or popular. It also has good use of the latest technology at this time and how much that is taking control of our lives as well. Overall, I just think this was a really genuine film that I love to death. And that's why it's my number 13. All right, let's bring it back to you, mate. What's your number 12? My number 12 is Free Solo. 
from there, either karate kick or double dino to an edge on the opposite wall. In some ways, it makes more sense to do the big two-handed jump because you're jumping to a good edge, so there's actually something to catch. But the idea of jumping without a rope seems completely outrageous. If you miss it, that's that. Okay. This gave me uncomfortable feelings watching this film. Ooh. <laughs> I wish I had the chance to see this on a big screen because this movie is breathtaking. Like I, I actually watched this with my entire family, mm-hmm. like my four-year-old included. Yeah. We were just in awe of this man, Alex, and what... It's not so much what he's able to do, it's that he wants to do it. Like, his desire to climb rocks without a rope mm-hmm. is insane. Like, yeah. there's no way around it. It is insane that... And you see you see all these people, like these friends around him, all these people that he knows, at least, in the past that have died. And this is a true story. And I'm watching this and watching him, you know, trying to prepare to free solo El Capitan, and it's just... It's incredible. And the relationship that he forms between uh, his, his new girlfriend is just next level. Like, that... It's not just that you're watching this and you're seeing the incredible cinematography. Like, this movie is incredible. Yosemite, I really genuinely want to go to America and see this place because it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how this girlfriend puts up with someone who is just openly, just almost dismissive of her because he wants to do this this goal that he has, it's, it really gets you thinking and it, it, honestly, it blew me away. Cool. Excellent. All right, on to your number 12. My number 12 is A Star Is Born. Tell me something, boy. Aren't you tired trying to fill that void? Or do you need more? Ain't it hard keeping it so hardcore? The me? You. you just write that now? Yeah. Pretty good. And man, I was thoroughly impressed and quite frankly overjoyed. Overjoyed. I, overjoyed at what I saw. Was in there this too film. much joy? No. There's no such thing as too much joy from this film. I think the acting is superb in this film. In particular, Bradley Cooper. I think his portrayal of Jackson Maine was fantastic. Someone else who was also fantastic is Sam Elliott. I think in such a small role, he is amazing. That scene with him backing out of the the driveway, oh, that's the one you're going to see on the Oscar reel. There's just so much like emotional acting in on so many levels. It was great. Gaga was great too, and her chemistry with Cooper is rock solid as well. Some of these original songs featured in this film have just been embedded in my head. Granted, I've heard them at least 200 times now since uh, my wife and kids love to crank shallow up to the max volume in the car and scream it at the top of their lungs. But that's fine because I, you, I love the song. Do you not get in with them? Sometimes. Sometimes. I I lead the charge. I tell you right now. <laughs> this song comes on in my car. It's me and Zara, I tell you. We uh we have no shame. Okay? And it's beautiful. <laughs> and the ending as well, it gives that film the emotional, the final emotional wallop that I just didn't see coming at the time and made an already solid film a better one for me. Overall, just a great, great film. All right, mate. On to your number eleven. My number eleven is a quiet place. What? In here. 
you know, I was thinking about going a quiet place or something like that, but I didn't think it but would you, work. You didn't want to copy my joke from the Patreon episode, is that no? Right? I just didn't think it would work because it's not funny and it's on a podcast. You, just didn't, so want to, you didn't want to when copy. you whisper. Well, maybe it's because I heard it when you said it and realised how flat it fell and thought, you probably, do you wanna, I don't want to do that. It. But no, the fact that I didn't do it and then you called attention to the fact that I didn't make the same joke you did, it's kind of pathetic, man. You know what you probably did? You probably had that joke. You heard me say it like, damn it, I wish this was Laura on my list <laughs> so I got to do it first. Yeah, I wish it was number 100 on my <laughs> list. <laughs> now, well, why do you like this film so much, mate? Because I didn't expect it, basically. Okay. Like, from the first scene, there's something that happens in the opening few minutes that really sets a tone for this film as a film that is... Not going to play by the rules. And I really... I got on board. Like, this isn't one of these great deep-thinking films and it's not one of these huge spectacle films either, but it just sits so nicely in this gentle, gentle place whilst at the same time being about bloodthirsty monsters. Monsters, aliens, whatever. Yeah, we'll go with monsters. Bloodthirsty monsters that are trying to kill everyone. And the fact that they have to be so quiet and there's... There's this scene in a bathtub that is just amazing and incredible and heart-wrenching and Emily Blunt is fantastic. Love John Krasinski. I watch The Office on repeat all the time and I'm not exaggerating. Did you expect him to like stare at the camera at any point in this film? Just give a a casual shrug. (laughs) That's Emily Blunt. And the fact that he's going away from Jim Halpert, it pains me, honestly. I mean, they should have got Pam in this, to be honest. She should have been, you know, the wife because... They're in love. This should have been what happens after The Office. Yes, yes. <laughs> the story of Jim and Pam. Imagine if this was The Office, the movie, and you got this. <laughs> <laughs> How great would that be? <laughs> no, but it's a fantastic movie. It's so enjoyable. It's it's different, and I've, yeah, I loved it. Cool. That's good to hear. Like I obviously didn't enjoy it as much as you did. I did enjoy it, but not to the caliber that you did. So, good job. Okay, on to my number 11 here, and it's... I guess it's the the reverse of what we just had here, where you have a movie that's so high on your list that I had super low. I wouldn't say super low, but you have this movie quite low on your list, which is quite high on my list, and that is Foxtrot. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for me, this film starts off so bloody strong, comes out with a bang, with this emotional wallet for me, like with some fantastic acting from Leo Ashkenazi. He completely sold me on this film as he just soaks up the screen with easily one of the best performances of the year for me. This film keeps you involved too with a change in events about a third of the way through that completely throws you through a loop. The second act in this film is a sharp turn in, an, in the emotional style, which for me, it felt needed. I do think it is the, the weakest point of the, the film, but it does finish off with a massive holy shit moment that brings you back in this whiplash pace, which moves perfectly into this final act, which continues the fantastic acting and character building and relationships so well that we've experienced so far. I love how the use of the word foxtrot means a bunch of different things in this movie, from the dance, from where it begins, to where it ends up in the middle, to where it ultimately concludes. It makes perfect sense for me. I think it is a genuinely great film and why it's my number 11 film. Very nice. Yeah, I definitely wasn't as high on it as you were. Mm -hmm. I felt like the second act really just destroyed the movie for me, but happy you liked it. Thank you very much. Okay, why don't we take a quick break and let's get into... That's my question! The question, jerk! Which is, what is your favourite film of 2018? Let's take a look at some responses here. First one from the DVD Lowdown as Mission Impossible Fallout. From the Film Face-Off podcast, Halloween. The 8mm Podcast Network says, Mandy! What a surprise from a podcast called 8mm. Zing. Uh, From We Watched a Thing, Tully, followed by Black Klansman. JD, the In Session Film Podcast, says, First, Man. 
The cinema guys say Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Even after all the hype, it still blew me away. Here's one from our patron Dan from the Netflix and Spoil podcast, Mission Impossible Fallout. It's still surprising that the sixth movie in a series might be its best. From Ghost of the Stratosphere, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I had zero expectations for this movie, and it blew me away. Best animated movie of all time. That is high praise. High praise indeed. Big call. The Gal Who Rant says the favourite, hands down the best film I've seen all year. Here's one from another patron, Ben Mulverhill, A Star Is Born. I thought it was a very well made film and I connected with it like nothing else. Next up here, another patron, Dave at the Super Movie Bros Podcast, Annihilation. Beautiful visuals, a deep sci-fi plot intertwined with the character's emotional motivations. Every time I watch it, I notice something new that Garland snuck in there that I didn't notice before. Suspense, violence, and that bear. Shudder. Michael Kills Donk says most definitely Solo, a Star Wars story. Wow! What? Really? That's ballsy. Phil and Film Podcast say, narratively, First Man. Overall, Free Solo. Bobby Three Sticks says, We the Animals. Have you seen We the Animals? No, I haven't had a chance to yet, have you? No, I did miss it, unfortunately. Last one here on Twitter from I Simon, 8th grade. On top of being a triumph for both a debut and for its genre, it's a film that I connect with immensely. All right, over on our Facebook page, one here from Sam at the Movie Reviews and 20Qs podcast, Roma. Came in late, but it's just stunning from start to finish. Next one here from patron Paul at the Countdown Movie Podcast, Mission Impossible Fallout. About as good as a PG-14 action film can get, and not even insulting to its audience. And last one on Facebook from Michelle Jane, Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, we did put it out to our patrons if they wanted to do their top 10 list, so we've got a couple here. First one here from Chris Beardsall. From 10 to 1, The Tale, A Star is Born, The House that Jack Built, Roma, Searching, Avengers Infinity War, A Quiet Place, Mission Impossible Fallout, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and Hereditary. From Shane Jeffrey, from 10 to 1, Mind in the Gap, The Guilty, Mandy, Red Sparrow, Searching, Unsane, Avengers Infinity War, The Kindergarten Teacher, Hereditary, and number 1, The House that Jack Built. Here's one from Joe Banyard from 10 to 1, Creed 2, Mandy, The House That Jack Built, Hereditary, Wildlife, Roma, Ladybird, A Quiet Place, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and Suspiria. Do really need to get round to watching Suspiria. Yeah, you can let me know how that goes. And lastly, Patron Hayden has said the best films of 2018 are The House That Jack Built and Mission Impossible Fallout. Now, thank you very much, everyone, for putting in your responses there. Okay, why don't we get into the results of our final eight in the best 1950s film tournament. First match here, 12 Angry Men takes out North by Northwest with a 66% victory. No surprises there. Over on the next one, Sunset Boulevard has defeated Some Like It Hot, 65%. The third match here is our upset of the round. Vertigo takes out Seven Samurai, 63%. Number seven taking out the number two seed. Imagine a lot more people have seen Vertigo than Seven Samurai. And finally, Rear Window against All About Eve, and Rear Window destroyed it, 79% win. And that brings us to our final four, and that is the number one seed, 12 Angry Men, takes on the number four seed, Sunset Boulevard. And the second match, we've got Vertigo, the number seven seed, against the number three seed, Rear Window. Yeah, so like we mentioned at the start of the episode, you have basically, you have won the bracket tournament that we've got going on here. There's no way I can catch up. Nice. So well done. So you will be giving me a movie once this tournament is over. I cannot wait. 
Okay, we're going to take one more quick break here and give you a couple of promos from some other awesome podcasts, and we'll be back on the other side with our top 10. Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your other host, Super Movie Brother Jay. We're a show that talks about movies, talks about beers. I'm the guy that likes big Hollywood blockbusters, big explosions, big dicks, big tits, just being thrown out there in your face. I love your comic book movies. I love your sci-fi movies. This is my co-host, Jay. He's your more indie art house motherfucker. I'm the guy who likes small dicks, small tits, small independent films that you guys all have never heard of. But we come together to talk about movies and deliver you news on movies. We talk about trailers on movies. We give movie reviews. We're here to bring it all to you with big, hard fucking cocks. And small cocks, too. There's, there's Small cocks need love, too. But you can find us on iTunes, at Super Movie Brothers Podcast. Find us on Twitter, at Super Movie Pod. Check us out. Cheers. Cheers. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitch at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Okay, mate, let's do it. What is your number 10 film of 2018? My number 10 film is a foreign film, Loveless. Ooh, nice. This could be the most powerful film of 2018 for me. The way I connected with these characters in this Russian film was ridiculous. Like, these parents are basically terrible people. And the way you see them interact with not only each other, but the other people in their lives, it's so... It's indicative of who they are, and it's. I just I felt so bad for this kid, and I've mentioned it a year ago when I probably talked about it. But there's a scene where you see this kid just silently crying, and it's some of the best acting I'd seen all year. It it hit me like no other scene hit me this year. I know a lot of people would not have seen this film, and I cannot recommend it enough. It's called Loveless. It's Russian, and it's fantastic. Can you believe that? We've spoken about 21 movies now, and we haven't said a single film together yet. Really? Yeah. How and, good's that? And that's actually not changing yet, because my number 10 is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. They're right there. They're going to see you. Miles, you got to unstick. What do you do to relax? Relax. Needless to say, I... Oh, for crying out loud. Calling it quits now, baby, I'm aware. Teenagers, just the worst. Ah, I mean, how much of a shock this was that this this came out so good. Like, I saw you know the trailers, or whatever. For this, I'm like, yeah, this this looks ridiculous. Whatever. Then when you see it and the animation style that they've gone with here, complete with these fantastic voice actors and just these these multiple Spider-Man coming in and playing off each other, it it was a breath of fresh air. I was genuinely surprised at how good this film was. 
it looks phenomenal. You see it on the big screen and it looks superb. I really, really enjoyed this film. I, I could I could say it's the best Spider-Man film. Uh, I'd have to I maybe have to rewatch it because I have seen a couple of the other Spider-Mans recently. But mulling it over, yeah, I give me one more rewatch of this and it could be the best Spider-Man film. Big call. But I mean, it's not like you're a massive Spider-Man fan, are you? Well, why do I have to be a big Spider-Man fan? I've, I just told you I'd seen. I've, yeah, but you're I've like, oh, like- it could be the best Spider-Man film. Does that is that saying a lot for you? Is what I'm asking. I don't know, mate. I'm just talking about Spider-Man movies. Okay, there's not much to think about. <laughs> oh, okay, I would disagree with this film, but we'll get to that later. Oh, you disagree? You don't like it? I disagree that there's not much to think about. I didn't say about this film. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about Spider-Man films. There's not much to think about. And I said, I disagree. Moving on. What's your number nine, mate? My number nine, a movie. Finally, we have our first crossover. Here we go. It's one you've already spoken about on this podcast. It is Blind Spotting. Oh, what is this? This probation, Miles. So let me Come on, on man, up. You gotta let me hold one of these. Yeah, that you can continue. Hundred something for two hundred. Your gun deal. Yeah. One in the little visor thing right there. The visor. Oh, yeah. Of course, there's one in the visor. Oh, my goodness, Look. precious me. The one in my Look pocket. Very nice. Why are there six guns in your car, Dad? Oh, Colin, man, I like yours. Right here. Yo, that this is, is not dope. mine. Look also, stop pointing at them, me. They're not loaded, bro. Those are for show loaded. Okay. Ooh, okay. See? Nice. Good stuff. Yeah, you mentioned suspense before. This movie, it was just dripping in suspense. This is one of the tensest films I've ever seen. Just something small like just this black guy walking down the street and this cop car is just slowly driving behind him. It's just... it. I don't know what to say. It just... Even just talking about it, it's like, holy shit. The way that these... The way that the filmmakers here manage to convey so much in so little is it's baffling to me. Honestly, it's baffling. And the end was so incredibly unexpected. And yes, it was a bit of a tone shift, but it was welcome for me. I felt like this movie needed, you know, this this comedy. And there is comedy throughout. Like, it's a, yeah. it's a funny movie in parts, but this ending was so tense, so funny as well. It really hit it home for me. And as you said, the characters, they're great. Like, the chemistry between these two guys, it's... Yeah, they're very well. They're very well developed. Like they go through their shit in this movie. Yeah, no, nah, very impressive stuff. Highly recommended. Excellent. Okay, my number nine. We're starting to get into the crossovers now. It is the next documentary on my list. Won't you be my neighbor? And like you said, what a what a lovely feel good story this is. Like again, same as you. Going in, I had no idea who Fred Rogers was. Yeah, I don't think he, he wasn't a big name in Australia, as far as I could tell. But nonetheless, this documentary about his life his morals and values he held and how he treated every single person, regardless of who they were, with love and respect. Man, it was a joy to watch. It was so refreshing. It makes you want to be a better person. It makes you want to do good things in your life. How have you gone with that? I think I've gone pretty well. You, you have not done anything since you've watched this movie. I donated All you've done since you've watched this movie is watch more movies. <laughs> is that not a good thing? I mean, it's hardly helping the world, is it? I am helping the world by telling everyone my opinion. Wow. Got tickets on yourself, Mark? Just a couple. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, take, take, you, take my opinion with a grain of salt, but I feel like if I'm out there telling everyone what I think about the films, it might benefit someone that they actually go and see a film that they've never heard of that they actually love. Don't you think? Don't you agree? Ooh, silence. He's stumped. How do you combat that? 
Yes, I do agree, Hendo. Well said. Thank you. Yeah, honestly, I think I said so much about that film just then, and I said it so perfectly. It's hard for you to top that. <laughs> oh, who's got the tickets on them now? <laughs> no, but, but you are right, though. Like, I... Thank <laughs> you. Here, have this ticket. <laughs> Everything you said I agree with. It is, it is a stunning film. Great. Number nine for me. Yep. Perfect. Now let's go in a completely different direction. Let's go to my number eight, which was mentioned a fair bit on our, uh, well, at least our patrons' top ten lists, The House That Jack Built. Hi. Hi. Who are you? Uh, police. Did something happen? Oh, no, no, no. Luckily, nothing has happened as of yet. I understand that you're fond of shopping at Carlson's supermarket. Why, did something happen at Carlson's? No. Uh, however, we'd like to uh, prevent things from happening to uh, businesses in the vicinity like Carlson's supermarket. Yeah, may, may, may I uh, come in? I'd like to see a police badge. Well, so would I. Okay. Yeah, my number eight. This movie was a hard watch, I'm not going to lie, but I kind of respect it more for that. Like, it, there is some gruesome, gruesome stuff here, and I don't watch a lot of, like, this is the only Lars von Trier film I've ever seen, and I was probably going in expecting more, and I think that heightened my, maybe, anxiety watching it, but yeah. having watched it, like, I can't not love a film that had that much of an impact on me. Mm-hmm. Like, something that makes me feel so much, be it positive or negative, you know what I mean? I don't mean negative as in it's bad. I just mean it, made, it It got to me. Yeah, okay. It got to me in a big way. And I find that this is a movie when certain people say, oh, you know, you got recommend a movie for me. I'll, I'll, I'll give them this really? one. I'm like, I'll sort of, I'll judge them. And- Why do you hate people? <laughs> I'm like, oh, you want to watch a movie, do you? I'll come back and I'm like, oh, what? why? <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's hard to say this film's enjoyable, but it's brave. It is definitely let down by... Yeah, I'm going to say a very pretentious ending. But the last 10 minutes aside, I thought this film was just gripping start to finish. I couldn't stop watching it, even though I did because I got scared and it was late at night, so I did stop watching it. But it was a very, <laughs> very... <laughs> it was. It's a great film. Like, There's no way around it. Matt Dillon, like I've never seen him before. A lot of little cameo performances here and there. And for me, it just worked. Like It's gruesome, but it's not overbearing at all. So, yeah, highly recommend it if you can... Uh, Stomach it, I guess. All right, on to your number eight, Hendo. My number eight is Avengers Infinity War. Tell me his name again. Thanos. He's a plague, Tony. He invades planets. He takes what he wants. He wipes out half the population. He sent Loki. The attack on New York. That's him. This is it. What's our timeline? No telling. He has the power in space stones. That already makes him the strongest creature in the whole universe. If he gets his hands on all six stones, Tony... He could destroy life on a scale hitherto undreamt of. Did you seriously just say hitherto undreamt of? Are you seriously leaning on the cauldron of the cosmos? Okay. And I don't know what else I can say that we haven't already said about it. We've, we've talked about this film a couple of times already now. But, yeah, it, it, it lived up to the hype that it was presenting. It's like 10 years of Avengers characters... They get them all in this movie and it works well. Like you get everyone has basically the right amount of screen time they need in this film. You don't need to have pretty much a lot of development with these characters. You've got like, what do we got now? Like 10 years worth. That'll do. Yeah. 10 years worth. Because what we really need here is Thanos. 
and man, he works well in this film. They this this film is all about Thanos. It's his movie. It is his movie, and like what we what you said earlier about Killmonger, Thanos oh, does oh, that yeah. too. Yep, for like, sure. Having the reasons why he does what he does, you can understand. You can understand why he does it. You might not agree with it, but you can see his side. I mean, you might agree with it to an, to a point. This film does very well in regards to dividing the line between lighthearted humor and bullshit all action, along with a deep dark storyline. It definitely handles it quite well. And what makes this film a lot better for me than a, a majority of the other MCU films is that you can actually feel the stakes this time around, especially when you watch it the first time. Every other film, you know they're going to survive, and the fights feel a bit meaningless. But here, you don't know how it's going to go. Everyone is vulnerable in this film. That this is a, a culmination. You expect some characters to not make it through this. Hmm. And I mean, don't who hasn't it. seen this film? <laughs> don't do it. Ah, oh, how can we, like who who's listening to this? Who hasn't seen this film? I mean, I'm not going to say it, but seriously, it pays off. I agree. This film definitely holds up on a rewatch as well, and I definitely, definitely can't wait to check out Endgame this year. Number eight, Avengers Infinity War. All right, mate, let's go to your number seven. All right, my number seven is Searching. Leave me a message or text me back. Hi, sweetheart. Um, just checking in because it looks like you already left for school this morning. Hey, Margot, dad again. Why did you leave your laptop at home? I haven't been able to reach Margot. Wait, you can't find Margot? Study group only went till nine. She said it was going all night. No, she definitely left at nine. Okie doke. Searching is fantastic. And it has this gimmick where the whole movie, you're watching a computer screen and it never, ever feels gimmicky. Like, there's, there's, I know there's another movie recently that came out like this. Unfriended. Thank you. Have you seen that? There's two of them and no. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. So for me, this was incredibly original. John Cho just carries this film. Like he, I don't know, I always sort of still think of him as the guy from Howard and Kumar, but what about the MILF guy? MILF, MILF, MILF. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I watched a lot of American Pie recently. Yes, I I know. He's very emotional in this film and he works it very, very well. I mean, but honestly, the standout of this film is how they are able to incorporate this computer screen into telling a, not just a good narrative, but a fantastically entertaining, engaging, like it's a, it's a narrative full of mystery as well. Like you just, you're watching it and you want to know what's going on. You get all these little developments throughout that just continually push this story forward. And I've really, really loved it. So that's my number seven. Excellent. Well, my number seven film is Mission Impossible Fallout. What are you waiting for? I'm jumping out a window! What do you mean you're jumping out of a... Oh, sorry, I had it in 2D. Good luck. And this movie kicked some serious ass, didn't it? Done it. Like, seriously, Tom Cruise is a bloody maniac. The feats that this guy will go through to get the shots that he wants is amazing. Everyone knows what he did to get some of these shots in this film. It's insane. Everyone is saying that this is one of the best action films of the decade, and I have to agree. It is incredibly entertaining. It's good to see all these characters back again, each getting their own time to shine. Henry Cavill with his bloody moustache and his reloading arms is a, is a <laughs> fantastic standout. But for me, it's Rebecca Ferguson who steals this whole show. Let's see a spin-off with her character. She is great in this film. This film was an awesome experience that I haven't had since I saw Mad Max Fury Road. In all of its big screen glory, I just had a really great time with this. It is a sensational film. Number seven for me. Moving on to you, Dean. What is your number six? 
My number six is Upgrade. Let me know if you need my help, Graves. Stop! Help! I need your permission to operate independently. Permission granted! Thank you. <laughs> upgrade! Alright, tell me about Upgrade. <laughs> well, Upgrade is... A film. A film. With Tom Hardy. Or you not. wish. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't wish. Oh, no, don't. Logan Marshall Green is fantastic in this. He is... I don't know. He's so he's so quiet and vulnerable in this film. And you don't... I guess you don't really expect it. But the way that this semi-futuristic story unfolds with developments, which I won't go into, it's, it's just highly engrossing. And to yep. see... The way it's filmed is is different as well. Like a lot of camera angles, like the camera moves with with this this man, I guess, in a ways that I haven't seen before. It's I don't know, it's just I've got this huge smile on my face just talking about because <laughs> it it's so much fun. I'm just I'm remembering this film. I saw it a long time ago now. I need to rewatch it, but man, it's just so such a fun film and it looks like you talk about great endings and this has a really really strong ending that really worked for me on every level. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, I loved it. Excellent. Okay, my number six is a film you just spoke about a couple of spots ago. It is Loveless. And this film was something, I'm telling you. It is a really gritty and raw look at human emotion and how bleak situations can be. It felt so real. The acting from both the leads here as the two parents is magnificent. They show every emotion you would in this scenario while also tackling issues that they're going through together as well. The snowy backdrop, while usually grand and luscious, is turned so so bleak and dark, and it intensifies the theme of this film. And that ending, well, I mean, it's it, I can't even words can't even describe it for me. Like this is a this is the clear choice for best foreign language film at last year's Oscars. I am genuinely genuinely stunned it didn't win it. It is a deeply emotional film that had me thinking about it long after it had finished. Number six. All right, mate. Top five. Top five indeed. My number five is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Cool. All right. It is cool. Cool, man. It's really cool. <laughs> this is, I mean, the animation, I know it's been said a thousand times, but it is incredible. There are shots in here, like the main shot, I think it's supposed to shot, or at least it was definitely all throughout the trailers, where he like goes upside down and the camera goes with him, so it looks like the city is upside down. Yeah. Man, that's breathtaking. Like, it's so good. It really conveys, like, I guess he's, he's, I mean, I know he's not flying, but his ability to move through the air in a way that we haven't seen in live action. And speaking of live action and comparing this to the live action Spider-Man films, there's something about animated films that are so great at building universes and putting in a very, very large amount of characters without it feeling bloated. It's a story that shows a lot of characters we haven't seen before. Like, a lot of characters. Like, all these different universe Spider-Men, I don't know anything about these people. And I know there are people out there like diehard comic book fans who are all over the Spider-Man world. I don't know that stuff. So seeing all these characters here for the first time, the way they were able to give each of these people enough backstory so that we not only care about them, but really we're on board for him like some of these characters we just love and seeing Miles Morales as this awkward teen and trying to go through school and he's got his family dramas and his uncle is you know doing uncle things it's it sort of brings back that hey yeah Spider-Man like Peter Parker I know it's Miles Morales here but Spider-Man is this awkward teen 
that's what he's meant to be and these movies have really gone away from it I know Tom Holland has definitely done a better job of bringing that back to the forefront but Mm -hmm. no one has done it better than Shamik Moore in this film he is outstanding so mad props to this film mad props to him I loved it and it deserves every award it's going to win and already has one like this thing it's swept the animated awards recently and so it should yeah what odds would you have given yourself at the start of the, start of the year to say that you would have had a Nicolas Cage film in your top five films of 2018? <laughs> yeah, almost zero. <laughs> I, I kind of wish, though, like I'm saying it's won all these awards, I kind of wish that Pixar had a better film out. Because, I mean, all it's beating at the moment is, really, the main contender is Incredibles 2. Okay. I don't know. You sort of, like, I, I just want it to beat the best. And I feel like Incredibles 2... Yeah, imagine if it came out the same year as like Toy Story 3, like, ooh. All right, that's my number five. What about your five, Hendo? My number five is a film that has been in my top films of the year since January last year, Paddington 2. And this is a big step up from its predecessor, which is actually saying something since I actually loved the first Paddington as well. You know, you've got your lovable, charming bear Paddington back again, basically showing everyone how amazing and simple it is just to be nice and care for one another and doing his best to earn the money to buy his gift for his aunt. It is laugh. <laughs> what a ridiculous story. <laughs> it's so simple, isn't it? He's a bear. He's trying to earn some money to buy a present. It's awesome. Uh, it's so good. It's so simple. It is laugh out loud funny at points. I had the biggest grin on my face the entire time. You got Paddington turning hardened criminals into marmalade loving softies. You got Hugh Grant hamming it up in here too, absolutely nailing his performance as this like delusional washed up actor. He's doing whatever he has to do to get back in the game. Complete with an ending, an ending again that got me deep in the feels, man. I love this movie. Like, sequels are a hard pressed to top the originals in my eyes. And this joins that small list of films that manages to do it. So, bravo, Paddington. You've done well. Indeed. All right. This brings me up to my number four. We're getting close now, Hendo. We are getting very close. I can feel it. I can feel it too. And I definitely felt it watching this film. And it is Eighth Grade. Nice. No, I love this film. We talk about, uh, what film was it earlier? I spoke about parenting. Love, Simon. Love, Simon. Thank you. This takes that to a whole nother level. This is, I don't know, I felt i felt really worried watching this film about this girl who's, who's isolated, she's lonely, she has really this only one outlet, this YouTube channel that she makes where she conveys herself as this really cool and confident young woman and she's, in real life, she's anything but. And seeing her... Just do basic things like go to a go to a kid's birthday party. It's just so uncomfortable. And <laughs> I mean that shot of her standing at the the doorway oh, to the to the pool party with just that horror music, basically like yeah. Oh man, no the the ability to capture what the character is going through. It's amazing direction from Bo Burnham, but really it's Elsie Fisher here who who carries this film. Her performance, I don't know what she's like in real life, but. If it's anything like this character she portrays, I just want to give her a hug because <laughs> she, she's so believable as this character. She's It's a brave performance as well. She really puts herself out there. She makes herself look, you know, it's, she sets herself up in not the best way and kudos to her. Like, this is a young lady and, man, she's good in this film. But you mentioned the dad. The dad is what brings it home for me. The interactions between these two... <laughs> Like, he, he walks in, he'll walk into the kitchen, he'll say something to it, and she'll just lose it. And we, as the audience, know why she's losing it, because we're seeing it from her point of view. But 
I'm just singing about the dad walking in, hey, how you going? And just getting yelled at. And it's like, <laughs> man, I'm copping that shit already. My oldest is like nine now, so... I can't uh, imagine what I look forward to. I can't imagine. Hey, you and me both. <laughs> I know. I can't imagine how this is going to go in a few years, but I just felt... And it's also, it's a great time capsule. Like, you talk about technology earlier. This stuff is going to be outdated in five, ten years. And yep. seeing this movie and seeing how big a part that the technology that we're currently using plays in society and high school, like, I'm so glad I was on the end of this. Like, yeah. Like MySpace, I think came out after I finished Year Twelve, yeah. or at least, or at least was not being widely used until I sort of finished Year Twelve. Yeah, I think just after I finished high school, all that stuff just started to happen. Oh, like I, I just don't want to, I don't want to be in that world. I've got to <laughs> say. So, well done to these teenagers who can navigate it, but to the ones that can't, the ones that struggle with it, my condolences. I mean, thanks for showing us why. Thanks <laughs> for showing us how. It is an amazing movie. Excellent. All right, my number four is a film that you have not spoken about. You had a little lower on your list, and that is Hereditary. Yes. Easily one of the most intense and nerve-wracking experiences I've had in a very long time in a movie. This was not what I was expecting when I saw that trailer. The performances are fantastic, especially from Alex Wolfe and Tony Collette, who was robbed of an Oscar nomination, and that was ridiculous. I really like where this film took its story, both in the plot and in the tone, I mean, director Ari Aster, he has done a tremendous job for a first-time director, having made... So much great directorial debuts here. Isn't it? What a year for directors. I know. He makes perfect use of lighting and shadows to create this unnerving tension throughout the film. He lingers on certain shots that seem to go on forever, but ultimately work incredibly well in harnessing that tone the film's going for. I'm generally not a fan of horror films, and I think the last horror film I genuinely thought was great was The Babadook, back about four years ago now. That was good. Well, the Babadook, it? yeah. So to have this one make it up so high on my end-of-year list shows the calibre of this film. It is a sensational film. My number four. Awesome. All right, top three. We're on the podium now, mate. We are. We are, definitely. All right, what's, what's going to take the bronze for you, mate? You're number three. I did play around with these rankings a fair bit, but I'm going number three, A Star Is Born. Okay. I knew you, I knew you top three. I just didn't know where each one was going to sit. A Star Is Born is fantastic. Yep. I am a lover of music, and what I love about music is its ability to, to get me in the feels, you know, and I mentioned it when I talked about this film initially, but that scene where, you know, Gaga first comes out on stage and they bang out Shallow together. Yeah. I just It gave me goosebumps. It worked much better for you too because you hadn't seen anything about this film. No. No, no trailers or anything. No, no trailers. So I was not, I hadn't seen any film clips for Shallow either. I was not already desensitized to this moment and seeing it for the first time, you know, it felt live. Like yeah. <laughs> seeing it for the first time live because you're watching this concert and my God, I've never seen concerts so well portrayed on screen. Like you feel like you're backstage here in ways I haven't felt before and like the fact that they filmed a lot of these performances in front of real life audiences and just hijacked these other festivals yeah. and concerts, like they they just smash it out in one tank. Like these, like I know Gaga is obviously a trained musician, but Bradley Cooper is not. He's oh, he got a, trained for this. Yeah, he yeah <laughs> yeah he, <laughs> he trained, didn't just get up and start singing. He like trained nothing. especially for this movie, yeah. but. Man, he's he, he smashed it out of the park. He is so great. He drops his voice down an octave, and it's it's phenomenal. Like the chemistry between Cooper and Gaga is undeniable. And even seeing them after this movie, 
seeing, you know, I've recently watched Cooper jump on stage where Gaga was playing shallow and he just jumped on stage yeah. and they had this moment and they're so tender together. Like it's really, you can you can tell that these guys have a lot of respect for each other and I mean, I love I love the song Shallow and it definitely bumps this movie up for me. I love that end song as well that Gaga does. It's it's touching and I've gone back and I've watched a lot of this film like many times mm-hmm. for the musical performances. I'm a big fan of Black Eyes, the first song. I genuinely really like yeah, no, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, that is a good song too. But, I mean, another directorial debut. Yep. Fantastic performances. Cinematography was amazing. The music was amazing. It got me, like, really welling up. I just, I loved it. I really, really loved it. So, my number three. Excellent. All right, over to you, Hendo. What is your number three? My number three film is Upgrade. This was such a massive surprise for me. It's such a fun, high-tech, fast-paced, gritty romp. Oh, it is gritty. The futuristic backdrop was blended so well with our modern ways as well. It's always at least interesting to see different visions of the future in films. It's another to actually enjoy it too. Logan Marshall Green was fantastic as the lead in this role, hamming it up when he needed to while turning on the emotion at various points too. The action is on crack in this film. Lee Wanell throws in some interesting directing styles and shots to make it feel more robotic like you said the way the camera holds the yeah, position yeah. of the of the movement of the of the character of Logan Marshall Green it's great the story is simplistic yet it's intriguing too and it made for such an easy watch this film was an absolute blast to watch from beginning to end it is highly stylized and entertaining with an awesome ending too like you said that that ending is fantastic a lot of these films have just Absolutely awesome endings. You gotta, you gotta walk away, you know, feeling good on a high with exactly. a bang. Exactly. You can't finish off the film going, well, that was disappointing. Yeah, and I didn't mention it before that that, that was probably my biggest issue with Hereditary. Ah, uh, okay. Fair I, I left that film flat. Uh, I didn't. I thought yep. it was. I thought it was a great ending. Yep. yep. So yeah, same with Upgrade. Fantastic ending. Fantastic film. Number three. Okay, mate. Number two. What is taking the silver? All right, my number two. I did go back and forth a few times. Yeah, I don't know which one it's going to be. I know the two. <laughs> I just can't tell. All right, my number two is Avengers Infinity Ooh, War. Ooh, okay. <laughs> which nice. I keep a list going all year. Me too, obviously. And this has been at number one for that long. It's not funny. But I rewatched my number one, and upon reflection, this is not my number one film. <laughs> <laughs> good, good summary. Yes. Uh, well well said, of course. Um, no, I think that Avengers Infinity War is an amazing spectacle. And watching it in the cinemas, it's it's unique. Like, you, you feel excited. Like, you see all these characters, and it's so hard. Like, how do you replicate this? You've got 10 years of character development behind yeah. you. As you say, you don't need huge amounts of character development in this film. You really only need to develop Thanos. Yeah. Which they did like perfectly. Mm-hmm. Thanos was amazing in this film. And to make you like sympathize with him and understand where he's coming from, it's it's what the movie needed. Like yeah. it it was it was not what I expected going in. To have Thanos as the protagonist, genius. To see the Infinity Stones in all their power. Just genius. The way they controlled these things, I loved it. I absolutely love it. There are so many moments in this film that is just, like, jaw-dropping. Like, it, I I love the MCU, and this film is one of the greatest by miles. So, well, not by miles. There's heaps <laughs> of great MCU films, but this is right up there in the top echelon. 
And as you say, I can't wait for Endgame. And I know you put this movie down because of uh, what could happen in future movies, and I don't. So I think that's honestly where you and I differ on this film. I really wish this ended up as number one because it could have been your number one film was the only film that we actually saw together at the movies in 2018. (laughs) Yes. But, oh well, moving on to my number two film. And i got to say, I am so glad that we waited this long to do this list because my number two film is Free Solo. Nice. What an incredible documentary. I I mean, I've just started talking, I'm already getting shivers. Mm. Not only is this absolutely stunning to look at, and by stunning, I mean stunning. If if I get a chance to see this in IMAX, I'm all over it. It would look incredible in IMAX. It would, it would. But there's also this fascinating story of this this man just trying to push himself to achieve his dream, something that he's been doing his entire life and the heartaches and the obstacles he has to overcome to make this happen. It's, it is outstanding. We get a great look into the psyche of this man, Alex, and basically what it takes to mentally prepare yourself to do something that someone like you and I would class as insane. But to him, it's not. It's just it's what he does. It's what he's good at. It's what he likes to do. Not only that, but we get a fascinating look into how a partner would go about tackling something like this with them. Watching his, watching his partner throughout this film, just you see her questioning what he's doing and she knows that this is his life. But to see them start to you know, create their own life, like get a house and that thing and her thinking that maybe maybe he's not going to go through this and, to, and when he finally does it and to see her like, oh my God, I think that is on par with the story of him actually climbing the mountain is the is the character development and the relationship between these two and what she would be going through as well and not only that but everyone else who was involved in this film all these cameramen all these all of his friends who are documenting this film having their doubts and questioning should we be doing this should we be filming him doing this are we going to get in his way? Are we going to do something that's going to make yeah. him stuff it up? That was, that was rough as well. There's when so they're much talking in this about, documentary. It's it's awesome. Like, yeah, like talking about p- potential results of him doing this climb and how they would have some level of responsibility if something was to happen. Yeah. And the fact that like the director, or one of the directors, Jimmy, is a character in this film as well, it's it's really, really amazing. I love also how they get into the technical side of things. The technical oh, exactly. Side. Like when they're showing like... All right, right hand here to left foot here, and yeah, then we and do him, this. And him the, going through everything, like yeah, in his he's, mind. He's got this journal of every single like because he needs to be pristine, oh. perfect. Like it is, yeah. I, I cannot stop talking about how good this film is. I watched this film a little while ago, and I have not stopped thinking about it since I watched it. Just thinking, and and when I put it in my list originally, I put it in a spot, and and the more I kept thinking about it, nah, it's going up high. It's going up high. Right up to my number two spot. Free Solo is one of the best films of the year. No, I, I mean, I absolutely agree. It's an amazing film. I was just a little hesitant to put it too high as I saw it like yesterday, and I wasn't sure how much recency bias would play into it. So I ended up having it at number 12, as I said. Okay, before we get to our number ones, Dean, why don't we do a quick recap of our top 20? All right, number 20, Paddington 2. 19, Black Panther. 18, Love, Simon. 17, Mid-90s. 16, The Hate You Give. 15, Won't You Be My Neighbour. 14, You Were Never Really Here. 13, Vice. 12, Free Solo. 11, A Quiet Place. And into my top 10, number 10, Loveless. 9 is Blind Spotting. 8, The House That Jack Built. 7 is Searching. 6 is Upgrade. 5, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Number 4, 8th Grade. 3, A Star Is Born. Number 2, Avengers Infinity War. And my number 1, 
the best film of 2018 is Mission Impossible Fallout. Yep. What a film. <laughs> like, I, I had an absolute ball at the cinemas watching this thing. Every scene is just, you can't, you can't not watch it. Like, it, it just eyes us glued to the screen. The action is, I mean, it, this is a, you talk about being one of the best action films of the decade. This is easily my best, oh, it's not easily my best. This is my best movie of the year. And Tom Cruise, he's a superstar. He is a real life superhero because what he does in these films, he should not be able to do. And seeing him do it and seeing... I mean, all these action set pieces, because they are the star of this movie. The action, the amazing action set pieces yeah. is what brings this film to a whole nother level. You've got all your usual Mission Impossible tropes. You've got this great team. Ving Rains is great in this film. Michelle Monaghan, great to see her back. Yeah. Love her. Mm-hmm. Mission Impossible 3 was great. So, you know, all this, this world building of bringing back other past films into it. This is the most direct sequel following from Rogue Nation, and I feel that having that movie of of character development already in this other film really does help this film, because they don't have to waste as much time with these characters and explaining who they are. They jump straight into it. There's a bit of exposition at the start, and then it is on for young and old. Yeah. As you say, Henry Cavill, what a great addition to the franchise. Yeah, he was so rude. He is a beast in this film. Oh. <laughs> And it works. Like every, everything in this movie works for me. I absolutely love it. And there's, the, the thing with this film is, I'll never watch it and not just have a ball watching it. So, my number one is Mission Impossible Fallout. Excellent. Okay, let's count down my 20. Number 20, Shoplifters. 19, If Beale Street Could Talk. 18 is Burning. 17 is Blind Spotting. 16, Minding the Gap. 15, Annihilation. 14, Black Klansman. 13, 8th Grade. 12, A Star is Born. 11 is Foxtrot. 10 is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. 9 is Won't You Be My Neighbor. 8 is Avengers Infinity War. 7 is your number one, Mission Impossible Fallout. 6 is A Loveless. 5 is Paddington 2. 4 is Hereditary. 3 is Upgrade. Number 2 is Free Solo. And my number one film, ironically, is also your number 7 film. And that is Searching. Nice. This movie for me is a bloody gem. Just fantastic. The use of the computer screens as the entire movie was done perfectly for me. And to be able to have it still have such an emotional impact on you with the use of that medium was great. It's incredible that they were able to do it so successfully. John Cho, like you said, he was so great in this film, going through all the emotions he shows as a father who's just searching for his missing daughter. And you see them escalate gradually over the course of this film. It was incredible to watch. And to be doing it while essentially just staring straight at a camera, because that's mostly what he's doing, because he's on a webcam, he's acting right at the camera. Rather than engaging with other people in real time, it was really solid what he did here. The opening scene was done very well too. I was just going to comment on that opening montage. Yeah. My God, the, the way they show technology getting better and you yeah. see the different, uh, the different windows, for example. Yeah. Yeah, the opening scene is uh, almost up-like. It gave us the perfect balance of emotions while maintaining the gimmick of the film while also showing the passage of time, like you said, with the different Windows upgrades. It is superbly done. There are so many little details that are in every scene that make it worthy of a couple of rewatches to pick up on these things. Did you know that there's apparently a completely different story going on in the background with all the different news articles and stuff? No. What are you talking about? There is an actual other story that the, that the director put in about 
this like it is got nothing to do with the searching story but if you watch it and you follow the like the news the ticket tapes that are going on the bottom and different articles while we're looking at the ones we're supposed to there is actually a, a story going on here as well good it's great when there are things in films that you don't pick up on the first time But aside from all that, there is this great crime mystery being presented to us that keeps us engaged from beginning to end, following along with every clue, dead end and red herring. I was enthralled all the way through this film in every sense of the word. A really great film, my number one of 2018, Searching. Very good. And that is going to do it, Dean. Yep. That is 2018 in the bag. What are you? What did you think of the year overall? I mean, I watched a lot of movies from that's, 2018. That's not what I asked. I thought it was good. I, I, there were some really solid films throughout there. I didn't have any absolutely perfect five-star films this year, which is a shame. Yeah, I haven't had no. that since uh, 2013. But Really? Yeah. But, over, but there's a lot of genuinely solid, solid films. Yeah, I was a little disappointed that no film could get to five stars for me. But that's okay. I thought there was a very, very high, consistent level of film. And I just, I thought it was a great year. Like you said, a a great year for uh, new directors. New directors, for documentaries, for foreign films. Oh, foreign films. My God. They're all, it's been, it's been a great year. And even blockbusters. Like you look at my one and two, Mission Impossible and Avengers. Like blockbusters were fantastic. Like there were a few letdowns, but honestly, overall, I thought it was a really, really strong year of film. Imagine if you told yourself at the start of 2018 that your number one film would be the sixth Mission Impossible film. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I mean, the sixth film, and they're still breaking new ground. Yeah. It's awesome. Amazing. I'm definitely looking forward to 2019 coming up and what this year has to offer in film. For sure. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you very much to everyone who listens out there. Now, next week, Dean, is our episode 50 and boy, have we got a special episode for everyone out there. We certainly do. We spoiled you guys. We have, <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. We have got a couple of guests on. We've got Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast. We've got Sam from the Movie Reviews and 20 Qs podcast. And we've got Billy from the We Watch The Thing podcast coming on the show in a big special. We're calling Pod V Pod V Pod V Pod. Four different podcasts in a big movie trivia battle. One podcast is going to reign supreme. It's going to be glorious. No, it will be. I cannot wait. Okay, so thank you very much, listeners, once again. We will see you next week for Pod V, Pod V, Pod V, Pod. (laughs) Bye.